Welcome back to Super Sentai Buddies. This is episode three of the Spider-Man Who Loved Me, the internet's best and only, maybe, podcast dedicated to the Toei production of Spider-Man. Every week we watch an episode of the show and share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is producer Mark, and with me as always is my co-host and buddy Brian. How you doing today, Brian? Doing good. I like the fact that you lifted the fact that we do this every week. Like, that's not a dirty lie. Every week. We only record sometimes. (laughs) So do we just run through the episode multiple times until we're like, okay, this is the good one that we can use as a recording? I drew a computer on the side of a cardboard box. I plug my microphone into it. I pretend I'm watching the show and talking to you. It's not a big deal. Excellent. That that sounds like you might have severe issues and also possibly have watched this third episode of Spider-Man, I don't know, 20 sometimes since the last <laughs> time we recorded? That is the excuse that I used last week when we recorded You Only Live Man twice. Ah, Matt said yes. it had been several months since we had recorded it, and I told him I had just been watching the first episode repeatedly waiting for episode two. Mm, that seems unhealthy. You know, gotta have your thing. My thing is very specifically Live Man Episode 1. Okay, well, you know, I'm glad you found that in line. (laughs) I've just downloaded it onto my iPod so I can, like, watch it while I'm walking. I watch it when I'm showering. I watch it when I'm sitting at work. It's just Live Man Episode 1 all day, every day. That sounds like a torturous existence, my friend. (laughs) So we should mention for listeners who are rolling their eyes and reaching for the off button do iphones have an off button i don't know i don't the, know the stop we've, button? we've gone for a couple minutes they've already hit it but so just inform <laughs> the people who are still here so what is going on as you have noticed uh, matt and dave are not here dave continues to be ill he got uh he had a, a, a window of time where he thought he was getting better but that was just a giant joke the universe was playing on him, and he is still sick. The universe finds it hilarious. Probably, honestly, what's going on is, if I had to guess, having lived this exact situation numerous times, Dave and his wife and their two children are all sick. So usually what happens is as soon as one person gets healthy, one of the sick people passes it back. It's like this horrible relay race baton. So you can get the same variant of six cycling through several. So I'm guessing it probably Dave probably had a day or two healthy and then it whiplashed back on him. That is unfortunate. Yeah, it's it's uh, so they were they were delayed a day already because of some other uh, personal business that was going on. And they when they when they prepped to record today, Dave was sick again. And so here you and I are. At 11 o'clock p.m. on Wednesday night, definitely very well for prepared for this podcast that we have been planning low these many weeks. Yes. Uh, assuming these many weeks started at about 9 o'clock when you told me that we were going to do this. <laughs> so I, I worked my regular job today in my tall office building full of cubicles where, where uh, everyone goes and wanders around and signs their names on papers and pushes buttons on computers. Right. Yep. And then as I do, I don't know, maybe once a month or so, I I went and worked a shift at the market, which is a like a grocery store slash ice cream and sandwich shop that a friend of ours owns every now and then when they get real desperate for help, (laughs) I will fill in for a shift. So I uh, I've been up since about quarter to five this morning because I had to shovel some snow here in the American Northeast. It was pretty great. Um, went to bed late, but not for any good reason. It's not like I was busy doing hard work. I just, I was up late. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Which, which is going to repeat itself. Yeah. We are, we are starting that trap again. So then I worked a job and then I worked another job. And then around, like you said, probably, I don't know, eight, 9 PM, we decided we were going to record this thing. So it's been a day, but we've got 52 minutes left in that day to talk about Spider-Man. <laughs> Yay! One thing real quick. We're going to do our five stars segment, the peculiar version of it that we do when you and I host this show, which is instead of coming up with five interesting things that happen in our lives, we cop out and do a top five list on a topic we find interesting. Well, I mean, part of that is because we have a separate podcast, the uh, 
Mount Olympus podcast where we don't want to steal from our own segments. Yeah, that's true. We don't want to chomp our own flavor too hard. Yeah. Look, we're 30-some-year-old dudes who live in rural Pennsylvania. There are only so many interesting things that happen to us in a week, and we need to hoard them for our And one of them hasn't happened in at least six months, so... (laughs) So... But before we jump into that segment, I did want to revisit something we did in the first episode of The Spider-Man Who Loved Me, which is pull back the curtain a bit on Matt and Dave J. Okay. I think because we've known them for a long time. We've known them for something like 17 years now, going on 17 years. Yeah, yeah, that sounds accurate. Accurate and unsettling not because they're unsettling it's just weird that we have friends that long Uh, it'll be unsettling when we hit 20 fair enough anyway so we've known them for a while in episode one i think it was episode one it's got a 50 percent chance of that being correct we told an old college story memory serving it was the one about the time we single-handedly saved the british empire quite possibly yes but i thought it would be fun to revisit another old Matt and Dave story for the listeners. So, Brian, I didn't warn you about this. I didn't give you time to prep. Right. So we're going to go off of faulty memory. Yeah. I would love to hear your memories of the great Soul Calibur 2 contest. Team Honor and Tradition versus Team Corporator. That's the one. <laughs> yes. Uh, that the So I, I have vague memories of uh, what happened, but it was Matt myself you uh was eric on this team or was that drafted later eric got drafted in later he was actually okay. on the xbox team at the time right right so i guess we should actually explain what the uh the the underpinnings of the story are which are we had a bunch of friends and we bought a version cool happening dudes with all right. sorts of friends whole ha- yeah yeah this story will uh, totally prove how awesome and popular we are Right. Uh, what it's going to do is make me forget at least two of the players on the other team. Um, <laughs> I got you covered. Don't worry. Excellent. So we were playing Soul Calibur 2 specifically, um, and we got copies for the Xbox and for the, uh, was it the GameCube? GameCube? Yeah, it was. Um, it had just dropped. We were very hyped for release day. For Soul Calibur 2, we were really, we had had a Dreamcast, if you will recall, freshman and sophomore year. Right. So we played a lot of Soul Calibur. And yeah. so junior year, when Soul Calibur 2 was dropping, we were very hype. Right. Uh, for whatever reason, Soul Calibur was the fighting game that clicked in college, which probably meant someone had that specific fighting game and we just, you know, all threw in on it. So what we did was we organized sort of a contest of, these four guys over here versus these three guys over here to see which group could beat it on their console first. Right, but not one time through, beat the story with every character. Yes, yes, every single character. And I think the only rule was you couldn't trade off players within the run of a character. So each player had to complete the character they were on before it moved on to the, before the controller could change hands. Right, yes. So you couldn't, like, get the one guy who knows all the fighting, whatever. You just, you were just going in order. Do you remember, uh, just out of curiosity, do you remember how we purchased Soul Calibur 2? Uh, I assume with money, but I believe that is not what you're going for. No, we did, but it was money that had been stored in a King Edward cigar box. Oh, that's right. We were, like, fundraising for Soul Calibur, weren't we? Yeah, and not just Soul Soul Calibur may have been the one that started it, but it wasn't just Soul Calibur. For the entirety of that year, we had a King Edward cigar box on uh, the, the shelf in Eric and Matt's room. And anytime any of us had, like, loose change or single dollars, we chucked it in the cigar box. And when it built up sufficiently, we bought uh, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles was one of them that we purchased. We bought uh, Billy Hatcher and his giant egg, which Eric never forgave us for. Well, I mean, it didn't even turn out to be an all-time classic either. No, but it was basically just the four of us in a very egalitarian sort of move. Right. 
uh, group collecting our spare change and using it to buy video games. And we bought yeah. at least one of the Soul Calibers that way. The other one, if I'm not mistaken, was purchased by our friend Animat, who had transferred out of Grove City year prior, but had come back to visit us that weekend. Right. So our team was Matt J, yourself, and myself. The other team was Eric, Animat, Dave, and Cody. That's right. Excellent. So that's that's all of the okay. You know who I w- who I forgot was there was Animat. Yeah. <laughs> so before do, we started, do we want to explain that nickname? He had a lot of anime. Yeah, his name, his was, name Matt. was Matt. He had a lot of anime. Right. We called him Animat. <laughs> so not be- a story there. Just that's the quick explanation. Before we started playing, though, we established the like the bet. The win, you know, the thing we were gambling. And it wasn't like money because none of us had money. Right. It wasn't embarrassing pranks because none of us are stupid frat boys. Right. Uh, It it wasn't even pizza or anything, if you recall. No, no, it was it was a uh, victory trophy. (laughs) So which was filled with was it? RC Cola? I think it was. It was some form of cola. I think it was RC. Might have been Pepsi. I don't know. Right. It was this small metallic trophy that I believe our buddy Eric owned. I don't remember. Just like a little trophy cup, like a sort yep. you get for coming in third in the Pinewood Derby. Yeah. <laughs> it was like it was a nice little chalice, though. I don't think it was an actual trophy. I think it was a standalone chalice, but it was about uh, that size. Yeah. Uh, and and bef- before we started playing multiple hours of Soul Calibur right. he poured this cola into the cup and declared that the winner would get to drink it. Right, yes. This, In retrospect, we should have poured the cola after someone won and not <laughs> three hours before. Because by the time we got there, we learned that victory just tastes like flat metallic cola. Yeah, yeah. But we but did end up... victory nonetheless. Team Nintendo did end up winning... Largely, as I recall, because poor Dave J got stuck on, I want to say it was Vega. It may have been Voldo. Voldo, yeah, it may have been Vega. (laughs) Wrong game. It may have been Cervantes. Mm, Could have been, yeah. But he just got locked into this, like, however the Cervantes progression was, the last or the, the next, the penultimate matchup was just a real tough one. And for some reason, Dave was having trouble getting his brain around one specific move or something that he couldn't break. And Dave is a really chill dude. And I, I know most of you guys don't know Dave personally, but his, his real life persona is not that far off from his podcast persona. He's a very laid back dude. You very rarely see him get mad. But man, that game, by the time he got to the end of that round, he was just <laughs> incensed. Which which was also good because we had fallen behind for most of that like couple hours. Yeah, that and was we were our able to mount a an amazing comeback. <laughs> I I I still to this day feel bad for Dave. I have not seen him that angry really very often at all. But it was that very specific angry that video games can make you. Oh, when yeah. you're running into the same wall and just cannot figure out how to jump right to get over it. I, the only thing worse in video games is when you're running into that wall and in your brain you can figure out how to get through it, but your hands will not mechanically cooperate. <laughs> yeah. So real quick, uh, and, and I stuck that story in there intentionally because our five star is going to be a quickie this week. Yes. Uh, So real quick, Brian, shining in the podcast heavens, there are five stars. This week, they are the five stars of pancake toppings. So what I would like to talk to you about are your, what I would like to talk to you about are, sure, what I would like to talk to you about are, are pancake toppings, five of them specifically in any order that you want, but your your five favorite pancake toppings. I'm not going to get into the story because we're running low on time. Right. Podcast audience, you should know pancakes are a very important thing to me. I, it's not worth explaining why. If you've watched Parks and Rec, the relationship that Leslie Nope has to waffles is basically the relationship that I have to pancakes. I think that's fair to say. I think that's fair to say. And the first thing I'm going to do is 
uh, cheat and say that I'm I'm treating my list as if it's waffles because I prefer waffles to pancakes. <laughs> I don't think this has come up, but I do. Waffles are great. Uh, They're a different thing. Waffles, waffles may actually be better for this because waffles are a vehicle intended to be stacked up with a bunch of garbage. Like this is this is one of the reasons I pulled this out because unlike you, I do not consume. 700 pancakes a year i i only consume like this particular kind of food you know every couple of months and therefore Probably when i sat when you are hanging out with me and i make pancakes right right so therefore when i sat down and thought of him like what would i put on pancakes well uh one thing would be fake maple syrup so let's call that star one star one for brian fake maple syrup fake maple syrup yeah no, you... uh and I'm, I'm doing this in reverse order but yeah the the reason for this is because spoilers real maple syrup will appear later but unless you've had both you don't understand that they they really aren't the same thing at all they don't taste the same now one might think that i as a pancake connoisseur and lifetime practicer of the art would excoriate you for that choice but you're not wrong fake maple syrup is kind of delicious and until and, not that long ago that's what i grew up on you know I think that's what all of us grew up on because actual maple syrup is like $500 a bottle. Right, right. Uh, It's not that expensive, but there's uh, Hungry Jack does not cost $7 a bottle. Right. Uh, And when you're a kid, your parents aren't really focused on getting you like the high end elite syrup. They just want some sugar to shove in your face so you'll shut up for a few minutes. I, I'm pretty sure that my parents now, even if I requested, would just give me looks if I said, no, 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 I'll have the high class maple syrup, actual maple. No, no, not Aunt Jemima, not <laughs> Mrs. Buttersworth. Aunt Jemima, those are the two worst of the... of. The, I grew up on Aunt Jemima. Well, I mean, that's every right. now it's and then pancakes. Every right. now and then, uh, Hungry Jack, but... Hungry Jack, Golden Griddle, the IHOP House brand, all of these are superior mm. to Aunt Jemima. Anyway, we are already running late. Star number one for me is just butter. Butter, you guys. Base level pancake topping. First the butter, then everything else. Butter on pancakes. It's the way. Real butter, preferably. I mean, None yeah. of that. Can't believe it's not butter, blue bonnet, whatever stuff. Right. Butter. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, that just always goes on pan. Like, I... I would never think that the pancake wouldn't have butter on it and then and then more topping. <laughs> Are you telling me that? Yeah. Just just afraid. Start uh, <laughs> start number two for me. Uh, strawberries and any kind of strawberry syrup. Mm. Delicious. That is probably. Yeah, that is probably my personal favorite fruit to top pancakes, waffles, what have you with. I, it it didn't make the cut. I could also accept apples, but strawberries, yeah. Right on. I am going to, with my star number two, say maple syrup. And we'll say real, but okay. but I'm with you. You know, fake pretend maple syrup, good too. Yep, yep. But that is my number two. First your butter, then your maple syrup. Classic pancake. Not breaking any new ground. Nope. But those have to be one and two. <laughs> Moving on. So three, three definitely needs to be waffles because I wrote down you gravy put waffles and chicken. On your pancakes? No, 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 no. Three is <laughs> things to put on waffles: gravy and chicken. Okay, okay. You would never put that on pancakes. I, I can't imagine. I do not know why chicken and waffles are a thing. They are. Is that just they a are. regional thing? We're both from the same region. Yeah, I, the... I don't know. I mean, I, I know in school, uh, the thing you always wanted was turkey and biscuits, which is very similar to chicken and waffles. I don't know. We want some bread-ish stuff to throw poultry over and then dump gravy <laughs> over. That's the best meal. I don't I don't know why I'm not having it all the time. I'm not a big fan of the chicken and waffle combo, but I, or the, yeah, but I can see the chicken and biscuit like comparison i'll give you that yeah that that helps it make sense to me yeah okay for me star number three there are no more 
Those are those are the only two <laughs> options. It is okay, butter so, and it is so and it I is feel I, I feel like I was suckered into this list. <laughs> you very deliberately said come up with five things. I'm like, ah, oh, but I don't eat pancakes that often. And here I come to find that you were only going to bring two things to the table. I'm a pancake purist, Brian. I, I can't help it. I, I feel like I was like, oh, I'm going to spring waffles on him. <laughs> but all the while, 17 years and now a dagger in my back. I'll, uh, I'll go a little off the grid here. I will say crushed pecans. Okay. If you're going to throw something else on top of your pancakes, and I'll kind of join you in this place. Waffles, French toast, those are your things to get frilly and fruit food on. Right. Pancakes are 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 a simple pleasure for me. But if you're going to get fancy, throw some crushed pecans on there. Really good. I mean, the, the rest of my list is real maple and then uh, chocolate syrup and whipped cream. Do you do you remember there was one time at college we had like a waffle bar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I think everything that could possibly go on those waffles went on those waffles. We went at that waffle bar like we were five-year-olds given the keys uh, to a candy store. I, I don't believe that anything ever made me as ill as the amount of sugar that those <laughs> waffles were covered in. We've, I think neither of us got through like a third of our plates. Uh, it, it was just like there was chocolate. There was basically, there wasn't gravy and chicken, but there was strawberries. There was, I think, maple. There was a section with whipped cream and chocolate. There was almost certainly like uh, hot banana syrup. There was like crushed Snicker bars. I mean, there it was, was everything. And, and listen, our school never made any good food at all. Our school's cafeteria was a joke, at least within our school. Co- like when visiting sports teams came to our school, they packed lunches. <laughs> we were a famously bad cafe. So we, I think what happened is we just saw something delicious and sort of lost control but man it's, yeah it, it, it is it, a very good memory i mean it is i always want to recreate it because the act of eating it was so great until it wasn't <laughs> well, i just you, want to relive the first part of that to wrap up for me my number four is fresh fruit specifically i wrote strawberries uh, I will give black raspberries a nod but much like pancakes i like i keep black raspberries pretty pure so it is almost like combining the two of them diminishes each of them. Yeah. And number five, I'm going to go a little off the grid again, and I'm going to say treacle. Have you ever had any treacle on your pancakes? I don't even know what that is. It's just molasses. Okay. It's been a real long time since I've done that. But my grandma used to put uh, molasses, which for some reason she called treacle. I think that's just like the British word for it. I don't know why she was posh in that one very specific instance. <laughs> I, I don't know either. <laughs> treacle sounds significantly less posh than molasses. <laughs> molasses sounds like a thing. Treacle sounds like what you say when someone has put a syrupy substance and like, by gosh, that's treacle. Treacle Mine Road, also where uh, the watch house is in Night Watch, right? Is the one that they got the restored? One that, uh, yes, I think so. Boy, I'm going to be real mad when we're both wrong about that. <laughs> so, I think that's it. Is that it for five stars? Oh yeah, we are we are way long already. We're 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 doing a terrible job at keeping this in line. That's okay. This is going live to tape. Once we're done, <laughs> we're just pasting it together and pushing it out to the internet. Okay. Well, Our baby can fly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So no editing. Excellent. We should probably go to the show then. Let's do it. We'll be right back. Change the apartment. And we're back. Boy, that was a fun program that we just watched right now in real time, as we said we would. Yep. As the, I, the, the 30 minutes that we've left in just to simulate us watching. <laughs> so it was going directly to tape. That's what we'll have to do. Oh, yeah. Good call. As I watch this show, I made the same note I make every time, which is this theme song is amazing. (laughs) 
I'm so glad the theme song happens at the beginning. Like, there's no there's no cold open or anything. It's just, bam, Spider-Man. Yeah, 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 wow. <laughs> I know, I know, and I know I've said this before. I can't help but say it. The American Spider-Man cartoon has one of the best theme songs of all time. But mm. doggone it if this doesn't give it a run for its money. Well, it... I mean, the American version of this program was certainly never going to give it a run for its money. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, the American version of Spider-Man, like the live action oh, 70s yeah. TV show, only exists so that this can exist. <laughs> it's so, this show is so good. I can't get, every time I watch an episode, I love it more. Like partway through this episode, I I was no longer making fun of it for being like a low budget children's production. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, they're doing some inter like they're making some interesting choices. This is a this is some artistic stuff going on here. Yeah. And that may or may not be true, but I'm giving them credit for it because it is they're just it's good stuff. Look, we're having fun. We're liking it. It's Spider Man, that emissary from hell. So <laughs> the man, that is a great tagline. <laughs> I know. I, uh, I was I so excited that when it came book. up again. I clapped. Yeah, you're right. Instead of like the spectacular Spider-Man or the sensational Spider-Man. Yeah, just one. just Earth 666, Spider-Man and Emissary from Hell. <laughs> so this episode is called Phantom Thief Number One versus Spider-Man, which already great. I I didn't skip ahead in episode titles, but I have to wonder, like, is there just a Phantom Thief series? <laughs> I guess we may find out someday. Why don't we watch this show every week? This show is so good. I don't know. I guess because we're watching Hercules and Xena every week. Sometimes they're good. They are. They're fun. Anyway, let's let's get to the show itself. So the show opens on a ninja. Yeah, who is just scaling down a building. It's a, not even scaling. He's belaying down a building. <laughs> yeah. He throws this rope down and he's like mountain climber style hopping down the building, feeding out his slack. And at first, at first, you're like, man, this is an awesome ninja. This is clearly he, Phantom Thief number one. He has earned right. this title. He is the greatest thief of all time. Yeah, that turns out to be 100% not true. <laughs> that, was, that was quite possibly the most surprising thing. I'm like, is this not Phantom Thief number one? Because the first thing that happens is the lights flip on and the entire police force <laughs> is in that room. Every cop in Japan has caught, has caught Phantom Thief number one. I just, it's like, oh, okay, well... I mean, at first I'm like, is this part of Phantom Thief's master plan? And the answer is no. He just got caught super red-handed by all of the police. (laughs) Uh, Also, in my notes, I may have uh, called Phantom Thief number one uh, Japanese Adam Driver. Oh, yes. You are not wrong at all. I made several kylo red jokes okay excellent i'm glad we are in sync on this but yeah so this episode opens and it's just the cops doing good work i don't (laughs) i don't know why spider-man's gonna have to get involved we have already (laughs) captured phantom number one so he's at the beginning like we said he's got this crazy ninja rope thing going on he's got some ninja jumps he's got like a high-tech sophisticated window cutting break-in device Yep, manages to slice in the window, like pop in, open the safe, put the money in a bag. He opens the safe like it ain't no thing. Yeah. He doesn't even put his ear to it. He's just spinning that sucker. And it's like the cops are throwing him a surprise birthday party. (laughs) It's the worst surprise birthday party ever. And it's, at first I thought it's it's just going to be one lone cop and it'll take him a No, it's it's the whole force. (laughs) They're all here. The first and, thing they do is unmask him, too, which is great. Good job, yeah. cops. Yeah, and and it's just the face of, well, it's the face of Kylo Ren. It is basically uh, and Adam Driver. Yeah, it really is. Um, and and he's just a sad, sad boy. Like, <laughs> Which, again, basically Kylo Ren. Right. He's just, he's sad he got caught. And yeah, that's... It's time to haul him off to prison. The cop's like, why are you wearing that dumb mask? 
you know, your pants aren't high enough. <laughs> so the cops throw him in the car. And the head detective, whose name I think was Mamaya, is that right? Um, Masamoto. Oh, okay. I may have written down the wrong one. Anyway, the head detective is giving this guy sass right yeah. away. Hey, he's, he's, you, you don't seem to be a good thief. Like, I, I thought the great thief would be far more dashing. <laughs> and and this, is, this is where it also leans into, oh, yeah, so he's going to break out and it's going to be dashing. And nope, nope, just the sad, sad, crappy thief. <laughs> As the cop says, too, not only does he go in on him for not being great and for not looking dashing, then he's like, you're just sad. You look sad. <laughs> Which is the best insult ever because it cuts so deep. You, you feel like perhaps this is this detective has been chasing the thief for, I don't know, 12 years. Like he seems real personally invested in this yeah, case. Like he's built him up in his mind to be this great nemesis. And it's just this sad boy. Yeah, which really reflects poorly for the detective. But we are given to believe early on by way of the narrator that Phantom Thief number one has been terrorizing the city. I guess. Which, can we talk for a minute again about how amazing this narrator is? This narrator's the best. It almost feels like the narrator has sometimes an overstated role, yeah. only because Spider-Man doesn't tell anyone he's Spider-Man, which means <laughs> he can't really effectively have a monologue about what he's going to do, so we yep. just have to have the narrator bust in and tell us. They just kind of string vignettes together and use the narrator to bridge the narrative gaps between them. Right. Oh, yeah. This guy was a big thief. Yeah. All over town. We're not going to show anything that suggests that that was true. No. That would be way too much work. Yeah. But Phantom Thief number one, a.k.a. the very sad boy, does get rescued by a monster bem. Monster yep. Bem, right? That's Machine what we call the bad guys. Machine Bem, thank you. Machine yes. Bem. Who looks sort of, I guess he's sort of like a bug monster. It's it's a giant bug with uh, glowy eyes. Yeah, like glowy, bulbous eyes, pincery sort of hands. Right. Blinding flashes of light. Yeah, that's really his whole deal. Like, this dude is not a fighter. He just, like, he flashes his eyes so brightly that it blinds everyone. So he shows up in front of the police car, blinds everybody. And then they have the most devastating crash that you can have at three miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those guys are cut up, those cops. Yeah, I don't know what they hit. I don't know how the car is on fire. Yeah, it's a... But then, so so the car wrecks in those bird-faced putty guys, the Ninders... I'd forgotten how awesome they were, by the way. I'm yep. getting more and more into them every episode as some sort of weird, like, performance art thing. Yeah, they very rarely attack, but they do seem oddly threatening in their dances. Yeah, and this is part of why I said I stopped looking at this as just, like, a cheesy low-budget thing and started looking at it as some weird art piece. Because they do. They, like, instead of having traditional attacks, so normally in all of the Sentai programs and in all of the Power Ranger programs— the putties or whatever variants thereof just run in and sort of do that basic like villainy fighty crouch move you know with their kind of hunched shoulders and the hands up at their heads and they're just kind of wiggling back and forth a little like they're gonna greco-roman wrestle yep these guys have very choreographed uh not entirely dance sequences but very choreographed like posturing sequences and they do some interesting camera work where they'll kind of rapid cut. So there's one of them and then there's like four of them and then there's one of them again. It's really cool looking. I don't know how to describe it via the podcast medium. You should right. just go grab a clip and watch it because it comes across pretty neat. Sometimes I like I go back and forth and wondering, are these editing mistakes or are these intentional artistic choices? And I honestly can't be sure which is true. <laughs> Yeah, this is the, the week that I decided I was going all in on it being an intentional choice. That is just what I have decided. Yeah. So so they 
free the Phantom Thief number one. Who does not look like thrilled to be freed. So it's not like he was in on this. He's just being kidnapped. He's still just a sad boy. Sad kidnapped boy. And from there, finally, so that's that's a good chunk. That's probably an opening five minutes or so of the show. Yep. And it's a good open. And now we get Spider-Man on his spider bicycle. Look, he loves this dirt bike more than pretty much anything, including his reporter girlfriend. He truly, truly does. <laughs> he loves this motorcycle so much. Like all good motorcycle boys do. Yeah, like he is. I, I still haven't figured out. And maybe maybe I've just forgotten from the other episodes, but it doesn't seem like he has gainful employment. He just goes and rides his dirt bike all day. Oh, wait, is that his gainful employment? I think employment? he was a racer or something. Yeah, okay, I'm sure. Okay, sure. He's think, Johnny Blaze. I, I think he is a motocross racer by employment. <laughs> okay, right. Of course, the fantastically lucrative career of motocross. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that famous, famous hustle that Spider-Man had. Yeah. Motorcycle racing. Yeah. Of course. I do like that they took Spider-Man's famous hustle from the comic books and sort of transferred it to the girlfriend. Yeah, because she is a reporter. Uh, and so, you know, she's. She basically secretly always is looking for pictures, pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, she and J. Jonah Jameson would get along very well. Yeah, but she's she's a news hound, always out for a scoop. Uh, and her boyfriend is alternatively encouraging and completely dismissive of this. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, sometimes he seems to think she's the greatest reporter in the world, and that's awesome. And other times... He kind of just pats her on the head and tells her to get back to the kitchen. Yeah, it's uh, now granted we are talking about a show that was set in 1970s Japan. Good point. Um, Good point. But obviously parts of this are plot induced because she does not know that he is the Spider-Man. Right. Um, which it's it's one of those things that now having seen so much media like. I can see why the secret identity thing, eventually everyone kind of started giving up on it, because, boy, does it actually make it hard to tell stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really, it's clever for the first couple of years of your comic book, and then it has just pinned you into a corner. <laughs> right, where it's like, ah, now he just always has to be gone. So but we still scene, have to leave him gainfully employed. Yeah, and then you get that dumb gimmick where Clark Kent just seems like a giant pansy who runs away all of the time. Yeah, yeah. So this scene exists basically just for Hitomi, yep. who is Spider-Man's girlfriend, to inform him. And Ace Reporter. Yes, and Ace Reporter. to inf Yeah, why am I describing her uh, according to her relationship to a man? That is ridiculous. She's an ace reporter who is also dating Spider-Man. Right. Uh, and she is telling him last night there was this attack on the cops who had caught the Phantom and there was this crazy monster. Which he sounds interested and then also just at a certain point pulls the ripcord uninterested. Yeah. Yeah. He is, he's playing along, playing along, and then he's like, yeah, whatever. There's no such thing as monsters. Yep. Then we get this beautiful scene of uh, Takoya like pondering the iron cross army against a beautiful japanese sunset yeah it's like because they're his sworn enemy and that's that's just you know he needs to hunt hunt for the iron cross army <laughs> he must be ready to parry them at any time and then my friends then we go full clockwork orange yeah cuz uh, our old friend Phantom uh, 001 is being light tortured. And when I say that, I don't mean tortured lightly. I mean tortured with light. Yeah, they're using this crazy bug monster to just like flashlight. <laughs> it, it is hard to describe this without making they're, unintentional other puns. Yeah, they're flashlighting him. <laughs> yes, they are repeatedly blinding him with very bright flashing lights. 
in an effort to to torture him and or I think disorient him so they can right. eventually switch to the green light of hypnotism. Yeah, they're kind of trying to break him, basically. With the plan of turning him into, like, Mega Spider-Man? Yes, which is an absurd plan. I don't understand this plan. So in the room are Machine Bem, Light Flashy Guy. Yep. The Amazonist, who is like the lead lady of the Iron Cross Army. Yep. And Professor Monster himself. Yes. And Professor Monster must kill Spider-Man to realize his dream. (laughs) Yeah. So if you recall... Uh, Professor Monster is the sworn enemy of Spider-Man's very, very brief mentor, whose name is uh, Garaya. Is that right? Uh, I think so. Who lived amongst the spider people. Yeah, who he is left... from Spider Planet. Right, he's from the Spider Planet, which is not like infested with spiders or anything. It was just the Spider Planet. Right. And uh, so he left one day, like, I don't know, took a vacation, came back, and the Machine Empire had destroyed his spider planet, so now they're all sworn enemies. Right. He fled to Earth, sort of got trapped here or something, and before he died, transferred his powers and apparently his 400-year grudge to our boy Takoya. So now Professor Monster, which, by the way, that is the best name. Professor Monster? Yeah. It's... I mean, it it was probably hard working through, like, grad school. He's like, (laughs) Mr. Monster. Like, "Mm, Professor Monster. It's, uh, in my head, it is just, like, a super literal name for uh, Beast, the (laughs) X-Man. Professor Monster. That's probably what the children call him. Um. (laughs) So so the whole heart of this plan, basically, is to sort of tempt out Spider-Man. And somehow, by doing that, learn his identity so that they can then kill him. Right. I'm not clear why they need to learn his identity, except that someone thought that that was, I mean, it kind of is, like, a very integral part of original Spider-Man, which trying to figure out, you know, who is that under that mask. Why the people who only want to kill him want to do that, I'm not clear. Yeah, this plan it has, seems like killing Spider-Man would be easier. This plan has several too many steps. Right. Also, I mean, this guy can scale buildings and has uh, a light, agile body, but he is still like a third-rate thief. That is the best thing, because she's real, like, the Amazonist is... It, just sounds for a minute like she's creepily into him yeah because she's trying to describe the fact that he he looks like spider-man but she's like he's lean and powerful and agile yeah i'm like where is this going and he likes (laughs) to scale buildings i'm like what (laughs) well that's a weird fetish but okay right right and it's basically he'll be our evil spider-man and if that was your fetish though like you had to be looking a long time to find your fella right it's just like going to all of these bars, casually chatting up guys. So, you know, what are your hobbies? What are you into? Oh, you like to yeah. read? That's great. Right. Oh, you're a fireman? That's amazing. How do you feel about scaling buildings? Yeah. Ah, dang it. How do you feel about looking like Adam Driver? <laughs> now that I get. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they send Nega Spider-Man out into the city. To just, like, visibly be Spider-Man? Yeah. he's not. (laughs) I know. I was like, wait, there's no costume change? No, the only difference is he commits exactly the same crime, but spray paints like (laughs) Spider-Man was here. He tags it. It's amazing. It's the best point. And the thing is, the the only people that this seems to affect are people reporting uh not not our ace reporter but like the reporters because the police aren't investigating as if spider-man is doing this he just he he commits more robberies and he basically leaves notes that says dear city this was definitely spider-man who robbed you absolutely spider-man i mean and in the newspaper headlines i just (laughs) i my favorite one 
is a Spider-Man runs around the city doing as he pleases. <laughs> a Spider-Man <laughs> runs around the city doing as he pleases. What does that even mean? That's what Spider-Man does every day. That's that's what a Spider-Man... Like, do they have different <laughs> Spider-Men? I mean, technically right now they do, but I just... Huh. That is a wonderful headline. Right. But also, the police not interested in this at all. <laughs> no. But uh, Takoya is annoyed that... Spider-Man is getting all this negative press, or a Spider-Man right. is getting all of this negative press. He's not going to let this fake Spider-Man do anything. That's... So he he sends Hitomi to go find that detective, right? Yes. The ones who she seems to playfully harass. Yeah, she teases him for a while. The cop inexplicably just tells her, like, yeah, so it's it's just the Phantom. Like, we know this Phantom. This is where he's been hitting. He's probably coming right back here. And so they go on a stakeout. Just the wounded cop, who I think has his entire hand bandaged up, so that's not going to be good. Hitomi. And then apparently nobody looks up because (laughs) Spider-Man's just chilling back there. To be clear, the Spider-Man, not a Spider-Man. Yes, the real Spider-Man is just... He's just attached to the building. Not even that high up. Like, like 18 feet. <laughs> you would He's not be able to story turn. Up. If you are angle your head slightly and turn around, you will see Spider-Man. I'm not even sure you need to angle your head if you just sort of rolled your eyes up towards the horizon yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, so wounded cop and 19-year-old ace reporter are staking out a building. Right. Spider-Man is hanging out nearby, also staking out the building. And before we get into the action of this episode, it's a great episode. Lots of action up front, lots of action Mm -hmm. in the end. We take a pause just for a minute to crack a real timely women's lib joke. Yeah. As I wrote, hmm, some punch in the face sexism in the 1970s. (laughs) Yeah, boy. It, it, It feels very, very, very wrong here in 2018. Yeah. But it was so, like, on the nose, it had to have felt even a little out of place in the 70s. Mm. It wasn't It wasn't thinly veiled or anything. Right. It was just, like, right out there on Front Street. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I don't really want to talk about that. I just felt like no, we had to acknowledge no. it. We couldn't gloss over. <laughs> no. Nope. It was in my notes as well. Right below that is where I go back to, does this detective not notice Spider-Man? Yeah, this is Detective Terrible Detective. (laughs) (laughs) So, also, he does not notice notice Spider-Man, but he also does not notice the Phantom, who has apparently robbed the building that they were all standing outside of before (laughs) any of them noticed. Apparently, nobody knows his M.O., which is to come from the rooftops, because they just keep staring around at ground level. Yeah. Not only does he rob a building, he has time to tag it in his signature Spider-Man way. Yep. And Spider-Man is too loot late to stop him from looting. Right. But we do get a Spider-Man chase. What's that excellent Waka Chica music? Yeah. Uh, this, this entire soundtrack is funkadelic. So good. Everything about this show is so good. The soundtrack is phenomenal. There's some real great jazz underscoring a couple of places. Yep. Anyway, we get a brief chase scene, and then Spider-Man gets stopped by the bug-eyed monster with his crazy, like, I'm gonna flash my bulb light things and blind right. you. I, is there a reason that no one stabs Spider-Man while he's being blinded? I like, don't know. You guys, I what what are you doing? So so Spider-Man is blinded, they all run away, and now the newspaper headlines declare that the police are stumped. Are they? No, the police did, know exactly did, what are going did, on. Did the detective come back and like, well, I guess I don't know what's going on, even though I absolutely saw the Phantom briefly for a second, so I know he was there, I know he did this. Nope. Don't have a clue. (laughs) The next morning, uh, Takoya is having breakfast 
with his brother and sister. And I think this is the only shot we get of both of these characters in this episode. Yep. This is Shinko, his, I think, slightly younger sister. Yep. And Takuji, his much younger brother. Right. And they are all he- living together now since their dad, uh, Hiroshi the space archaeologist, died. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Space archaeologist. That's a great name. Oh, it really is. Um, but frankly, our our good friend uh, Takoya doesn't doesn't care. He is stuck reading the f- news about terrible, terrible Spider Man. His his brother and sister are sassing him uh, in the name of their dead father. Right. Yeah. Which is which which is a weirdly jovial conversation they're having that morning. Right. You know, you deal with grief. Uh, by humor, I guess. Yep, yep. But now Hitomi shows up, uh, the ace reporter slash girlfriend, and she's just, she has a sad. She has contracted sad from Adam Driver in the beginning of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, she didn't get any any shots of anything. She was um, right there at the action and got no pictures. Nope. But now, now we're back to encouraging boyfriend, saying yeah. you'll get some good shots later. Yeah, he tells her like, "Don't worry about it. You're amazing. You're so, and this is great. This is great. It's a, it's a nice moment where it's like, you're, you're a great reporter. You will get it. Don't worry." Cheers her right up. She tucks into breakfast, all of the breakfast, and then he tags his wonderful boyfriend moment by saying, "Your voraciousness, your hunger, your appetite, is trumping your charm." <laughs> <laughs> Stop eating like a boy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, ah, Spider-Man, back to being bad boyfriend Spider-Man. <laughs> and then Takoya goes basically to lay in bed and have a think for a while. Right. Which boils down to, I know it's a trap, but I must clear Spider-Man's good name. Yep. Yeah. Oh, oh buddy Takoya here, not quite as bright maybe as his American Spider-Man counterpart. Yeah, although, can we really honestly say that he's any worse of a boyfriend than Peter Parker kind of is sort of accidentally all the time? Like, yeah, so, I mean. He is bright enough to, like, drag out a map and plot out the points of the home invasions to figure out where the next one is going to be, so I guess that's something. Yeah, and then he just goes uh, trolling out there in his street clothes. Yeah. And his, just happens to bump into his, Phantom, uh, also in yeah. his street clothes. Right. Uh, in his Pittsburgh Steeler jacket, which is just why I'm going to refer to that jacket <laughs> as. It's all black and gold. <laughs> you are so right. So he's just uh, strolling downtown. And this other dude comes strolling past him. And I think we, the audience, are treated to a moment that gives him away as the Phantom before Spider-Man is. Uh, the, the moment that that is you see his face briefly and it's Kylo Ren that moment or <laughs> okay yeah because I wrote I wrote Phantom in there yeah and and this guy kind of pushes his way past our boy Takoya yep and then a car is coming yep and rather than because the car is not exactly like flying at him right rather than stepping to the left or perhaps stepping to the right he don't step to no button. He just leaping somersaults right over that car. Right. Which I think Spider-Man sees this and thinks this might be the guy. Yep. Yep. He looks at him and says, huh, maybe. There must and, be a lot of jumping over cars like that in I Japan. Guess so. if this is not enough proof. But then, about three seconds later, he repeats the exact same move to jump over a wall, and seeing it a second time, well, that just nails it. Right. It confirms that this is fake Spider-Man. That must be Phantom Thief number one. Yes. And then we have the most incomprehensible suit deployment that I have ever seen. (laughs) What even happened there? This includes the classic... uh, Flash or reverse Flash having their suit inside a ring deployment. Right. Like, the CW made that thing work when reverse Flash did it. This, I don't know, it sh- the Spider-Man suit shoots out to the side, 
pops up in the air and then falls on him and is just on <laughs> and it zips itself. It's amazing. I love the self zipper. I just so good. Yeah. And now it just turns into a chase scene again. Yeah. Um it turns into a chase scene for a bit. Spider-Man catches him pretty quickly. <laughs> it's a very short chase scene. Like again, this is this thief is not in Spider-Man's league at all he gets unmasked again you guys right and then from nowhere a bunch of swords get chucked at spider-man all over the swords it's just what's going on the ninders are back that's what's going on with their weird stylish posturing choreographed semi-attacks yeah and they they are coming out to surround also, the uh, in here, like the Amazonist pops up, and yep. she has a line like, "I've been waiting for you to show your face," and all I can think of, but not last night. I must have been busy. <laughs> yeah, the first time we tried this plan, right? I just the first time, nap. yeah, it worked perfectly well. Um, we were there. You were even blind, but that seemed kind of unsporting. <laughs> so, but this time, this time we mean business. Yep. But this is where we get that beautiful, beautiful drop. The Emissary from Hell, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. And Spidey starts fighting with Spider-Nets. He's great. He's just chucking out Spider-Nets. Spider-Nets, Spider-Saves, Spider-Everything. Yep. But then blinding flashes, oh no! You'd think he would have prepared for this by now? We've seen this guy's, this guy has one move, one move. We've seen it a couple of times. Why are you not prepared? Look, what's he going to do? Invent like weird eye coverings that would shield him from the blinding rays? That sounds exactly what Spider-Man would do. Yeah, that is exactly what Spider-Man would do in this situation. (laughs) Or, like, design a special type of webbing to deal with this particular enemy. No, our Spider-Man does not do that. Our Spider-Man just gets blinded again and falls off the building. (laughs) Off the building. (laughs) Again, I'm not entirely clear why they needed to involve this thief. It seems like if this monster was just walking around blinding people for giggles that maybe Spider-Man would have come out to fight him anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But now the Amazonist is very annoyed with Phantom. I'm not sure why he succeeded in his plan twice. His whole job was to draw Spider-Man out in the open, and he did it both times. Right. But, you know, now now she thinks, well, the gig is up, so I have no use for you. Uh, we're going to throw you off the building. <laughs> There's a lot of falling off buildings here. Yeah, and Spider-Man, like, 10% saves this guy. <laughs> he, he slows him down just enough that he doesn't die on impact. <laughs> I, I re- it really looked like, oh, so Spider-Man is going to just, oh, web him. No, he still hits the ground. <laughs> I, that that should have yeah, broken, like, half the bones of this guy. He didn't catch body. him. He didn't stick him to a building. All he did was cover him in a net while he fell. Yeah, that's that's not how webs work, Spider-Man. But then Spider-Man hops into the GP7 throws phantom number one into the gp7 with him and they drive until morning (laughs) i mean but they were already in the warehouse district or whatever so my only thought is they didn't drive until morning they just pulled into like a garage waited for four hours until it was morning so they could drive as audaciously as possible i'm with you on that one i like that i mean it's not even like that car is special on the road. That's just, oh, yeah, Spider-Man's driving by. And now where he's going. Now, oh, dear listener, who has journeyed one hour into this podcast with us, are you ready for things to get weird? Really, really weird. <laughs> Inexplicably weird. Because Spider-Man and the Phantom Thief number one have a heart-to-heart at, like, a fountain that appears to be in the middle of a dilapidated amusement park. Yeah, well, it's it's a heart-to-heart about why this guy started stealing. And obviously, it's something simple, like, I was just a poor boy, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So, it starts with Spider-Man demanding to know the 
hideout of of the Iron Cross army. Right. Kylo Ren doesn't know, and then Kylo Ren looks forlornly to the sky because he hears circus music, you guys. What? <laughs> he hear, yeah, he hears circus music, and it is calling to him. Not just now. This has been the great call of his life. This has been his mission. He heard the voice of God speaking to him, and the voice of God told him to be an acrobat. Be the greatest acrobat that there ever was. And not for his personal pride or vainglory, my friends. Oh, no. But for to bring all happiness the children. to the children. <laughs> right. But What children, Brian? All the children. <laughs> but, 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 like, that part, like, okay, so you wanted to be an acrobat, which transformed into, but the only way he could figure out how to do that was not to train and become a world-class acrobat and join a circus, he needed to buy and start up his own circus. Yeah. I mean, run away and join the circus, pal. Everybody right. doesn't. Right. You saw the circus. You probably could have joined a circus. It's still the 70s. They still have circuses. Yeah. We didn't close down the circuses and then have our podcasts steal their tagline because they are no longer in circus business. <laughs> no, there's a circus. You you saw it. It's what inspired you. Right. You know, he has to steal enough money to... B and the thing is, he doesn't even say that. Spider-Man does. Spider-Man right. looks at him, sees into his soul, and says, Oh, I understand. You had to steal money to build a circus, didn't right. you? Because <laughs> that's just the best conclusion to jump right. to. Which, it's, it's a true conclusion. <laughs> I kind of wish Spider-Man would point out that, like, you can just be an acrobat. Like, you don't have to own the circus <laughs> and then have the episode get into weird places like, yeah, but I like being my own boss. <laughs> like, what? I don't want to be a slave to the man, Spider-Man. <laughs> I don't want to be a slave to the spider, man. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, um, their, so, their heartwarming discussion is interrupted. Yeah, because the Ninders are back and they are doing more of their choreographed strange fighting but right. this time it's on amusement park rides this is just creepy at this point it's amazing i don't even know how to describe how awesome this sequence is it's this weird trippy the only thing i can figure is there's like some 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 art student fresh out of film school got real high and made this episode I bless him because right. once we were in the weird amusement park, I knew we were in for some good stuff. And it was so good. We just saw Ninders like riding the teacups and riding the fake Dumbo machine. Got Spider-Man like jumping into a teacup and then disappearing and then reappearing. And yeah, there was weird like psychedelic waka chicka chase scenes in and around this sad amusement park and it was the best right then then you have you, you have phantom thief one uh surrounded by ninders oh yeah that happened because yeah because he's an enemy now yeah yep they're gonna take him out just as well but then the cops show up right and apparently the ninders don't deal with the popo because they just <laughs> disappear <laughs> it's the best like they're scared of the cops yeah and, uh, yeah, he just turns himself in, uh, asks very, very nicely to be cuffed, and he's going to tell the whole story and, you know, tell about how Spider-Man is a great hero and he wanted to join the circus. <laughs> now, suddenly, we smash cut to Spider-Man in the woods. Yeah, well, you know, he's just driving around looking, looking for stuff. Yeah, so there's a little bit of fighting in the woods. The bug monster shows up again again. Yep. He's like, ah, ha, ha, I have you now, Spider-Man. I will blind you again with my blinding light power. But apparently, and I did not know this, if you shine, like, tightly focused blasts of the brightest light that there has ever been ever, but it's daytime, in the daytime, <laughs> they don't work. Yeah, the sun just soaks up that blinding laser light. 
Which also means that this monster has never attempted to blind anyone during the day. <laughs> Hit Crimson style, Brian. Yeah, yep. He tried, and it's, and it's just a, ha-ha, you can't blind me, it's daytime. I love it. This is the best thing. Spider-Man beats him by being out in the day. Uh, that's effect- I mean, there's some more. We're going to get in a little bit of some more, but that is effectively the end of the episode. Right, Everything yeah. Doesn't work in the out. day. Suddenly, it's giant machine bem uh, gen yokchu. Yeah, gen machine yokchu. Yep. Yeah. Again, I'm not sure it is helping them to only name the machine bems 12 seconds before they die, but, you know, <laughs> it's it's what we got. And then it just progresses like... So far, every one of these have progressed, which is GP7, Marveler, Leopardon, Arm Rockets, Sword Vicar. Yep. Yeah, like, Leopardon don't play. No, he does not. He just progresses straight, straight along the path until he can get the Sword Vicar, and then Monster is Dead explodes. Yep, it's pretty great. You get, like, the, you get the arm rocket fisty punch thing yep then you get the arc turn helmety boomerang thing yep both of which just seem to be him like kind of flexing and warming up for sword vigor yep and uh yeah he just just kaboom just kaboom that's it and then we kind of segue into like the end credits uh, talking about how the lonely battle continues. Not only continues, the lonely battle relentlessly continues. <laughs> it's it's weird, because this show seems alternately like, ha-ha, triumphal, and also very dark and sad and brooding. <laughs> so should we should we get out of here, Brian? I think it's time to get out of here. I will just put one note if you do plan to drop this straight to wherever. I apologize for any cat meowing you may have heard throughout the episode. It'll just add flavor. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, cat flavor. <laughs> well, that now that just sounds weird. <laughs> I, I, sorry, sorry, I made it weird. So tune in next week when we will definitely be talking about Spider-Man Episode 4, right. The Terrifying Half-Merman. Yay? Subtitled The Miracle Calling Silver Thread. I'm not sure. Is this like Rocky and Bullwinkle subtitles where the two episode titles make <laughs> no sense when compared to one another? That's that's what I'm feeling. Uh, yeah, that seems to be the case. We we should we should probably end. We're just spiraling now. <laughs> Until next week. Thank you very much for listening. Hopefully Matt and Dave will be back next week. And in the meantime, you can find us on all of the internet Twitter things. Yeah. All of them internet Twitter things. All of those things. You can find at Super Sentai Brothers on the Twitter things. And if you're interested in hearing Brian and I and our very good friends, Meg and Lucas, do pretty much this exact same show, but instead of talking about Japanese children's programming, we talk about Hercules and Xena from the mid to late 90s. You can find us on those same Twitter things at Mount Olympus or Mount Olympus Pod, I believe. Mount Olympus Pod. We're, we're on the things. We're on the Internet. You know, just go listen to the outro of last week's episode for where all, what all of the actual names are. I didn't write them down. Now now we're just getting hostile here at 1215. I'm not your boss, Internet. Neither am I your servant. Look up your own things. Until next week, I'm producer Mark. I'm Brian. And we will see you next week for the greatest show on Earth. Spider-Man. Spider-Man.